There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. So you've never eaten enough cheese curds where, like, you can't have a bowel movement for days, just, like, days on end? <laughs> they say you need all sorts of flies for bass, but I could give a rat's ass about what people say. This is not the right use of ironically. It's coincidental. Yeah. It would be ironic if it were found at a school for the visually gifted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even really know how to start this. Um, I'm a little sad. Good morning. Degenerate anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that's about to tell you something you're not gonna love. I'm Joe Cermelli. Where's and my co host? <laughs> and I'm Aiden Samak, and uh, yeah, man, just get it over with. Yeah, so, uh, value degenerates, this is going to be the second to last Bent episode. Hate. To have to deliver that news, but that's what's up. Tell everybody why, Joe. Because I am moving to New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) To frolic in the Emerald Hills with Mr. Miles Nolte. No, I'm just kidding. I am, however... Um, do, you, do you know I have him saved in my phone like that? Nolte? Like, with like the hyphen? Yeah. <laughs> you should. I call him that all the time. Uh, I'm just kidding about uh, New Zealand. No thanks to that. Uh, but I am, however, leaving uh, Meat Eater. Uh, made that call. And it has been an incredible two years here working with some really amazing people. And while it's bent, truthfully, that I will miss the most, I just I cannot take it with me as I fire up the sputtering two-stroke and shove off for the next adventure. So here we are. Well, you know, he, here's to hoping uh, that two-stroke turns over on its first try. It all won't. good things it won't. must. <laughs> ah, it will. It will. The metaphorical two-stroke will. All good things must come to an end, man. Yeah, yeah. But listen, I wanted to. I wanted to give you guys, you, you, you listeners out there, a heads up today. 
um, so that you can you can savor this episode and our next episode on April fifteenth, which will be our official last. But I didn't I didn't want this to be abrupt. I wanted to kind of ease into it. Um, and we've got something cooked up for our final show next week that should be a really fun time. And look, look, truthfully, I'm treating this like a New Orleans funeral. Okay, it's a celebration of life, not death. You know. Even though, uh, listeners, Joe has officially uh, killed my career as a podcast host, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe giveth, Joe taketh away. I'm not, don't, listen. All I'm thi- just kidding. I'm all just, things I'm are possible. You. you never know, man. You're going to be, you're going to be fine. <laughs> and I also, look, I want to give a, I, I do have to give a massive shout out uh, to the crew at 13 Fishing for their support mm. of, of Ben. Like, we could not have made this show without them, and I was truly honored uh, to work with a company that that genuinely makes good gear that I was psyched to use. Um, those guys are great. They have been great. And uh, I know you're joking around, but I also, dude, I have to thank you, right? Look, you, you stepped in and stepped up as my uh, formidable bent co-host after Miles left. <laughs> and and this has been a blast. It truly yeah. has. You've added an entirely new flavor to bent. You've brought creativity and some great segments. And uh, I... From the bottom of my heart, man, I'm going to miss this. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, uh, thanks, man. You know, it, it was really fun, and I'm, I'm proud of the work that we did. You should be. Uh, yeah. You know, thank you for, uh, thank you for kind of taking a shot in the dark and having me on the show. It was, uh, truthfully, like one of my favorite things, and um, I am going to, uh, I'm going to miss it. And thank you, Joe. Yeah, Thank man. You, man. Nah, dude, for, um, for sure. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have changed anything. Nothing. Yeah. And also, uh, yeah, thirteen fishing. You know, thank you so much. Uh, we, we really couldn't have done this without you. And you know, when I came on as like, you know, the the co-host. Um, you know, one thing, Joe, throughout the entirety of my tenure as the co-host of Ben, I never felt like a replacement, man. No. Whether that was from, like, you, whether that was from Meat Eater, whether that was from our sponsors. Um, so, you know, to that end, you know, I've already thanked you, I've thanked Meat Eater, but thank you, 13, for, like, you know, also just immediately being, like, down with me from day one, man. That's yeah, and, super cool. And, and I, said, I said this before, I, I will say it again. Um, I mean, you shined in the role as, as taking over news um, after Miles left, and developed into this you know i mean you have the listeners to thank for you being here as much as me because i i heard nothing but positive things and saying hey that's your guy um you know and and uh i i I think i think i think we're gonna hear you somewhere again at some point you know what i mean like you you, 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 you've done a great job at this um but right tired of the sadness for a second you are still coming out here this spring and I, we have, we have plans to fish together. I mean, you can't get f-ing COVID a second time, right? So I'm assuming this uh, time. Uh, uh, apparently, you can. <laughs> Just for the record, <laughs> I'm assuming this time the plan will hold, um, and we'll do a little striper, smallie, shad, and cats combo. Um, one of those, I'm, uh, I'm sure one of those fish will become your new favorite, like after well, bourbon. Well, I mean, catfish <laughs> were my favorite right. until the mighty bourbon. Right. Um, I've caught some stripers, uh, I've caught some smallie, but I'm yet to catch a shad. So perhaps there you go uh, and if it works out how i'm planning you'll be able to feed yourself for a month on the hall maybe i'll even give your broke ass some shed. new gear while you're out here right no, i will Joe, pass I'm, some things you're driving <laughs> so you could fill up the shagging wagon that, you know that, what i mean that's that's true uh, i'm very much <laughs> looking forward to it uh listeners won't believe this man i i mean but uh but joe and i 
have never actually met in person. Yeah, I can't actually Not swear Hayden time. is a real human. Like, I don't really know that <laughs> I, for sure. I, I was going to say, <laughs> Joe is just the friendly but kind of grumpy man that lives in my computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is true. Um, anyway, look, the important thing right now is that Bent is not done yet, damn it. This is not our last no. show. So uh, with that in mind, let's let's get back down to what we do best because um, let's just say next week's closer is going to be laid out a little different than normal, right? So uh, we're going to cut into our covering water segment here, which we have not done in a while, and that's our rapid-fire Q&A segment. And this is a fitting one um, because part of the reason that I wanted you on the show is because we have so much background in common. Like we both have musical backgrounds. We're both from the East. Uh, different tastes in music, perhaps, but similar yeah, I mean, backgrounds nonetheless, taste. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've actually got uh, one of the fellows from Bon Iver or uh, Bone Iver uh, <laughs> on Covering Water today. And um, it's our it's our buddy. Uh, he goes by S. Carey. That's the name of his solo project. His He's going to talk about that. Sean He's going to talk about his new album. Yeah. And, uh, and it, we got like this email that, you know, having had a music career, I immediately recognized as a publicist email. Right. But like all good publicist emails... It was attention grabbing uh, straight from the jump. Uh, I read it and I was like, you know what, Joe? We ought to have this dude on. And, and, I, and with I, a little I, bit of a, a little bit of convincing. Yeah, partially it was like, dude, like I'm out of here anyway. Just get whoever you want, okay? We'll take them. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I, 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 I will say this: by now, you guys know. Uh, I hope that I'm like the punk metal hardcore guy. Like that's my deal. That's that's just my jam. But my wife, who does not like punk metal and hardcore music, was very impressed. And, and we have extremely different tastes in music. So while I was curious to talk to Sean, her excitement told me that this this may not be my new headbang on of the way to the river band. I'm going in. Cover me, Porkins. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I'm all right. So joining us for Covering Water today is Sean Carey, whom you may be familiar with through his work for a, uh, a little act called uh, Bony Vare. Uh, Sean, thanks for joining us, man. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Sean, can I, can I ask, because I'm certainly aware of the band, although I'm a little bit more of like a chugga-chugga misfits kind of every time <laughs> I die thing. What, what does that name mean? Can you translate that for the listeners? Is, is, is there something behind that? Uh, it means good winter. Um, when Justin, the the main dude, uh, came up with the name, he just didn't know that winter was spelled with an H in French. Oh, Got it. Funny. So, Got it. So good. he, uh, yeah, he, he, he signed a letter to his friend, um, good winter and just, it look, looks like Bon Iver, but it's actually Bon Iver. Dude. I, I was going to say, does it get obnoxious with people just like saying Bon Iver? Like, is I, is like, I imagine you get that a lot. No, I'm, I'm into all the pronunciations. <laughs> well, dude, I, I was joking with somebody today. I was like, you know what? I've been screwing that name up for like 10 years. And this is like the first time that it's actually mattered at all. Um, but moving off, how, how did you get, uh, how, how'd you end up getting involved in that project? Oh man, I, um, I actually approached Justin uh, at his first gig as Bon Iver, um, and we sort of knew each other um, from the music scene, but I was a little bit younger, and I just, I, I had learned, like, all of his songs um, when they were posted on MySpace, if you can remember that. Wow. I remember MySpace um, very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just, like, I was in music school at the time, so I just took, like, a 
studious approach to learning all of his tunes and he was kind of blown away by that and we've been playing ever since very cool very cool so you also um you you have a solo project in the works right s carrie tell us a little bit about that yeah s carrie started um kind of after the first boney Vare tour i was so inspired to do my own thing and um write my own songs and was just kind of riding that wave and so i started that project project and uh, i've been I've done four full-length records the fourth one's coming out um, next month awesome awesome so okay listeners you uh you probably know his music on in uh in one capacity or another and while i'd like to sit here and talk music all day long uh what you might not know is that sean is also a very dedicated angler based in eau claire wisconsin man like outdoorsman musician crossover is something i relate to and, and is pretty unique and more common than a lot of folks might think right off the top of my head i think yeah. of our pal uh dave simonette from uh trampled by turtles yep. musicians seem to be drawn yep. to fly fishing for whatever reason like it's a it's a, it's a thing how do you end up getting into fly fishing and what draws you to it i think a ted nugent by the way <laughs> i think ted nugent's a fly fisherman i think uncle ted's Pretty much just running and gunning out in Texas. I'm just saying, how are you going to talk about musician outdoorsman crossovers without talking about Ted Newman? Oh, you're going to put anyway, me in the spot, Joe. A lot of musical similarities, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up fishing. Uh, and then when I moved to Eau Claire for college, I met this guy named Ben Lester. And we were both percussionists and he was a, an avid fly angler. So we started fishing together and, you know, by the end of that first summer fishing with him, I completely switched over to, uh, to fly and it's, yeah, haven't looked back since. So one thing I'm always curious about Sean, like when, whenever I get to talk to a touring musician in particular, is your schedule just too busy to, to squeeze any of that in on the road? Cause I always wonder like you travel in the country you have to end up in some places that would have some pretty damn good fishing. Like, is there, is there a six weight, like stashed on the tour bus kind of deal? <laughs> you know, I have fished on tour before and I need to like make it more of a priority, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're talking about, um, cause there's now there's a few of us in the crew that, that do it. So we're, yeah, we're definitely going to have a little, a little road case that just goes with us, but yeah, I've been oh, able yeah. to, um, we did uh, we did a house show tour with S. Carey. Um, we did three of them actually. This was a few years back, but we kind of like planned them around um, fishing destinations, or you know, we took like three days off between um, Salt Lake and Denver and just fished our way. Um, oh, that's a good stretch. If you're gonna, yeah, if you yeah, that's a good stretch yeah. right there. So we did that in a couple places, and you know, brought out all our camping and cooking gear and. It didn't feel like tour. It felt like a fishing trip where we had to play shows at night. So, well, that's a pretty damn yeah, good fishing fun. trip, man. Because like yeah. all there is normally to do at night is like drink beer and eat Mountain House. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> so Sean, in, in, in this segment, uh, we like to kind of get into the minds of our guests uh, via some rapid fire Q and A. Yeah, it's it's uh, we always like to say it's like a. It's sort of an interview, except you don't really have any time to think about your answers to our <laughs> questions. We're just going to, what we do is we're just going to throw two minutes on the clock and we're just going to rapid fire some questions at you. And then what we'll do though, at the end, we promise is give you one minute to elaborate on any of your answers. So the idea is you just, just kind of spit them out and then you can elaborate on uh, anyone that, 
as we always say, like whatever the career ender was, whatever was like, <laughs> shit, I shouldn't have said that. That's the one you can elaborate on. Love it. Sound like a good deal? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, two minutes on the clock and begin. PR smallmouth or PR trout? Trout. Gibson Flying V or BC Rich Warlock? Uh, flying V. Yes. 26-inch brown on a streamer or an 18-inch brookie on a dry fly? Uh, brown on the streamer. Okay, because you're from Wisconsin, white cheese curds or orange cheese curds? Don't like them. Oh! <laughs> Squeak Career cheese. ender. Uh, okay, yeah, money is. is not a factor without being able to resell it. Would you rather have any vintage synth, like a Jupiter 8 or some shit, or a vintage acoustic guitar, maybe like a like a 62 Gibson Dove or something like that? Synth. Mm, okay. Uh, so I know you're a fly guy, but still testing the limits of that. Would you rather catch a 30-inch muskie on the fly or a 50-inch on a live sucker? Uh, 30-inch on the fly. Ah, sticking to the fly. Sure, right. man. All right. Can't live without it fishing accessory. Like, what is your, like, not 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 your rod and your reel, but, like, what is the can't live without it fishing accessory? Ooh, sunglasses. Ooh, good one. Okay. All right. First fly rod you ever owned? Uh, it was a um, Reddington Three Forks. Nice. Oh, yeah. That, okay. That's a good one, man. All right. Skinny Love or Enter Sandman? <laughs> Skinny love. <laughs> bon Jovi or Bon Scott? Uh, I don't know who Bon Scott is. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, Favorite so part? Bon Jovi. Okay. Bon I Scott's ACDC, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, favorite part oh, of I porn. like ACDC. Everybody likes ACDC <laughs> on some level. <laughs> Apparently not that much. Uh, favorite part of tour? Uh, the show's. Okay. <laughs> That's a good part. Okay, one place There's you, a lot of other parts. <laughs> one place you've always wanted to fly fish but haven't gotten there yet. Patagonia. Ah, it's a good one, me too. Least favorite part of tour. You sort of travel. Oh, okay. Last one. Uh again, because you're from Wisconsin. Charlie Barron's fan or no? Yeah. All right, here we go. That's it. That is time, man. So we promised you one minute to sort of dive a little deeper into any one of those answers, Sean. Uh, which any anyone jump out at you that you want to tell us a little bit more about? I mean, the cheese curds um, thing is going to. You might want to revisit be, Bon Scott. No, 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 no. I, I, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one to pick. You can pick any one you want. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear more about the cheese curds, but it's it's your time on the floor, man. I like. I grew up not liking cheese, but I, I've I've grown more more to like it. But um, whatever I like them fried. I like whatever mm. cheese curd is fried. I just I don't like them not fried. So, so. you've never, never looked at like, the color. Eaten enough cheese curds where like you can't have a bowel movement for days, just like days <laughs> on end. Joe, <laughs> I haven't had that luxury. <laughs> It, and it is a luxury. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Man, thank you uh, so much for uh, for coming on with us. That was a fun one. Um, so that real was, quick, man. you're uh, you're you're coming out with your latest solo album. I believe it's your fourth, titled "Break Me Open" on Jag Jaguar. Uh, that'll be available April twenty second. Tell us a little bit about it, where folks will be able to listen, and where they can find you on tour and on social. 
Yeah, I'm um, so excited about this record. Um, it's been years in the making, and um, we are doing two tours in the U.S. Uh, in, at the end of April, we're doing the East Coast, and then um, in July, we head out west, um, hoping to bring the fly rod for sure. Are you, are you, are you hitting um, any dates? Exclu- in- hey, don't, I was going to say, don't exclude it in the East, man. If you need yeah. some locations, you let me know. I'm a, I'm a Jersey Philly guy. Oh, so no, we, yeah, I've, I've fished um, um, in New York and Jersey and Vermont, I think, on one of those right tours. On. Are you, uh, are, are yeah, you making thanks. any stops in Philly? Yep. Where, where are you playing? Um, it's, oh, shit. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, I don't remember. Do you, do you remember what the room cap is? I might it, be able it, to narrow it down it's, for it's, you. It's likely a bigger venue than you and I ever played in Philly, Hayden. I think we can kind of leave it at that. <laughs> no, we, no, for S. Carey, we play pretty small rooms. I think it's, um, Brenda's part of the world cafe. Oh, okay. okay. And Joe, I have played there multiple mm-hmm. times. So wow. F- you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and where can folks find you on social, man? Um, I'm uh, scary picks um, on Instagram and uh, I'm on Twitter a little bit. Um, but yeah, and then music will be on all the streaming platforms and yeah, buy a record if you uh, feel like that too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to the album. I wish you all the best on your tour and uh, all, all the fishing excursions bound to be thrown in there. Um, yeah, man. Thanks again. Thank you Appreciate guys. It, Huge Sean. fan of uh, what you do and the mediator community in general. So thank you. Cool. Thanks, man. So yeah, degenerates, check that out. I I think you should check that out. Um, but like, how are you gonna not know Bon Scott? Like that was a slight that was a slight red flag for I me. Mean, you look, look, see, man, this is where I disagree with you. Uh, like you have factions of you know when we're talking about classic rock, you have like factions, and I and I sort of put ACDC in with like Alice Cooper, Kiss. That's fair. Thing you know yeah. acts like that. I would never consider them in the same arena as like Cream or Hendrix or The Doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't like ACDC very much. You know if who I'm being I don't completely like? Completely honest. You know who I don't, I don't care like? who you don't like. Leonard uh, Skinner. Th- I don't like Leonard Skinner. How about oh yeah, that? I, would, I would I would put like ACDC <laughs> almost in with anyway. Um, then again, my like classic preferences are more uh, like T Rex, Bowie. Like I like that glam shit. Then uh, <laughs> then like I don't know uh, Bob Dylan, Velvet Underground, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, all this is to say, I think you got like a little too hung up on the Bon. Well, it was kind of a joke. I was also going to throw in the question Bono or Bonzo, but then I didn't. Although, I don't know, Sean seemed like a fun guy. Like he was having a good time. I probably could have played I, I, around I, with more I, Bonds. I like that dude. <laughs> I just think it's funny that it's Boney Vare and like, you know, everybody who reads just like, ah, Bon Iver. Like I, I said to you, like, who are we having on? The Bon, bon Iver? Is that a guy? You're like, no. Well, I don't know. I, I forget if it made it to the actual interview, but I was like, you know, I've been calling you guys like, you know, Bon Iver, Boney Vey, like da 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 for like years. And I haven't really ever dedicated myself to learning the correct pronunciation of it. And like, this is the first time that it's ever kind of mattered a little bit. Right. Uh, he was um, a sport, though. He was good. It was fun. Yeah. And, and you guys know I'm not good at pronouncing stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was he, he was a good sport and uh, it was a good time. And you know what else would be a good time? What's that? Beating your ass one last time in the final showdown we call Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly.
so, you know, we've used the front of news for a year and a half to sort of be our, uh, I don't know, our shout out kind of, that's, this is our spot to, to shout out listeners and shout out fans. And, uh, I, I think it's only fitting that, that we use this space this time as, as a huge thank you directly to all the listeners. And we have one show left and we're going to thank you a whole bunch more then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, uh. I just feel the need to to just take this this moment right before news to to just thank you guys so much for listening to news because sometimes news is a shit show. Like let's just be honest, right? Like in terms of making yeah. the podcast, <laughs> okay? News is important. I get it and we like to keep you up to date on things. Um but uh yeah, like it it can be a little grindy at times and um sometimes we're long-winded, sometimes we say dumb shit and you're probably thinking why would you even flag that as a story? You know, <laughs> cuz not much else was happening. <laughs> I, exactly. Sometimes things just aren't happening in fishing. But yeah. um well, yeah, I, I also it, want to uh yeah. thank everybody uh you know for listening and powering through with us. Uh you know, I mean sometimes why we figure new shit out, man. Sometimes yeah. why we tested new things, why we try new things, and uh, and always offering your feedback on either like a follow up to the news story, a correction to the news story. Exactly. Um, we've heard from we, so many. Interesting, we appreciated like, all that. And, One of the best parts yeah. of this, make no mistake, was was incorporating you guys and hearing from you guys. And we certainly hope, at least I do, that I keep hearing from you, no matter what the future brings. You know what I mean? You you guys know where to reach us on the grams, and uh, I second that. Yeah, and, and uh, you know. We embraced every correction and every mispronunciation, and uh, tried to give you guys as, as much. Some of, of you an guys outlet. were kind of kids. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more so to you, um, you know. But no, uh, yeah, I am going to miss people messaging me going, "Come get your boy. He's over here doing some weird shit again." <laughs> but um, yeah, like you, you guys, you guys made bent what it was, and uh, it, it's it is sad that this is the final news. But also, I'm like, man, I don't have to think of any news next week. Like, there's a little bit of like, <laughs> damn, you know? I'm not uh, going to lie. There's a little relief there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We got to finish where we started. And you started this yep. whole conservation minutes thing. So we're, to, the, to the last one, we are sticking to it. We're not going to scrimp. So uh, before we get into it, here's my conservation minute, right? The Center for Biological mm -hmm. Diversity filed a legal petition seeking Endangered Species Act protection for the Roughhead Shiner. This is in Virginia, an olive-colored minnow found only in the Upper James River watershed. Smalley's crushed those things, I heard. Yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you hang one under, under a bobber, uh, it's gone. Uh, yeah, and they're three-inch fish named for the bumps on their heads, um, and, and they live mainly in the Cowpasture River and its tributary creeks in uh, Allegheny, Bath, and Craig Counties. Um and there's a quote in here from Tiara Curry, a senior scientist at uh, the center. She says, the roughhead shiner is an emblem of the quiet extinction crisis unfolding in our nation's rivers. Endangered Species Act protection will bring a recovery plan to pull it back from the brink. The shiner was first identified as threatened 50 years ago and was put on a waiting list for federal protection in 1994. The state of Virginia has identified it as a species of critical concern, but doesn't have the necessary funding for monitoring or restoration. Final quote here. People ask, why save one little fish when there are so many other kinds? But it's like March Madness, Curry says. How boring would it be without all of the different teams? She says, the roughhead shiner is like St. Peter's, finally getting its day in the sun. I thought that was cute. That is not at all what that's like. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> on to my conservation minute. 
Uh, per LakeCountyNews.com, California Department of Fish and Wildlife Director Charlton H. Bonham has assessed entanglement risk under the Risk Assessment Mitigation Program, otherwise known as RAMP, and announced the closure of the commercial Dungeness crab fishery in fishing zones 3, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, God, I knew there was going to be something I couldn't pronounce here. Uh, that's uh, Sonoma and Mendocino. Mendicino. County line, t- Mendocino. I think you so. think. Maybe. Okay, Mendocino County line to the U.S.-Mexico border, effective at noon on April eighth, twenty twenty-two. Basically, whales can't avoid. Cra- this is not the quote. Uh, basically, <laughs> whales can't avoid crab pot lines, so the season's being closed to fuck up less whales. Uh, and we we <laughs> <laughs> we actually covered this before when it came to alternative devices to avoid. Uh, oh, the rope, the ropeless lobster pots, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess the entirety of the commercial crab lobster fishing industry didn't hear my story and immediately changed their tune. Weird. Well, they should they should <laughs> they should pipe up. It's now or never crab and lobster industry uh even though those pots are like hundreds of thousands of dollars anyway look uh, to the bitter end this is a competition we do not know which story the other guy is bringing uh this week that is the truth and i mean this is going to mean one final legendary weigh-in from phil though i think i'm if, if phil is available i think you're going to hear some some fresh phil some live phil maybe in uh, our final show but this is the official last news weigh-in. I just cannot wait to see what he cooked up. And it's my lead, which is fitting. Um, it's the last one, and it's my lead. So, you know, uh, over the course of Bent, we have rolled our eyes kind of at fish record stories, right? We've done them time to time when appropriate. <laughs> and as we've noted— When there some, wasn't anything else. <laughs> I was just going to say, as we already noted, sometimes we just couldn't find anything better that week, right? And I think uh, the, the mighty Phil even once famously said he will not give a win— to record stories anymore because there was a period when man they were just like just flying out the mouth um so how fitting that i close with a record story of sorts but it's not about a specific record or fish but records in general and damn it i'm doing this to ensure that you walk away from my final news filing with information that you can use to better yourself on the water that is that is the the damn bent seal of approval as we uh, walk out the door. So this story comes to us from the Duluth <laughs> Mine News Mine is just Tribune. a regular news story. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. Uh, anyway, so this comes from the uh, Duluth News Tribune, and it's about data collected by the Lore Love podcast. And what they've done is compiled the most detailed list of record-setting lures I've ever seen. Now this, mind you... <laughs> is a pretty painstaking process because my understanding... Joe is trying to line up going to the Lure Love podcast. That's where you're going to hear Joe next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's... Yeah, that's that's where I'm headed, guys. The Lure Love podcast. Lure Love. Joe's from LA. No, don't make fun of those guys. Listen to what they did, right? I'm, so, I'm not making fun of them. I'm making fun of you. Okay, well, that's that's fine. You can do that for forever. Um, so (laughs) this is a painstaking process because as I understand it, while the international game fish association keeps the records, uh, the things that caught each fish are not set up in a database that can be searched or ranked by bait fly or lure, which means whoever runs that podcast did this shit manually. 
Here's a quote from the story. The folks at Lore Love Podcast looked at 19,600 records for 1,649 species of fresh and saltwater fish, including 6,714 current record holders and 12,946 retired record fish that once held the record but have since been beaten. Now, the caveat here is that there are no requirements for the level of detail an angler has to provide the IGFA when he or she submits a catch. So as the story notes, some records simply say lore in the space on the form for what caught the fish. So the fellows mm. at Lore Love collected all this data, factored in some of these vague entries, did a little scratch math, and they came up with a few different lists. One was records per lore style. The other was by specific lore brand. So we're going to add just for shits a little touch of trivia here. Can 13 you, fish and caught all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guess which lore style has claimed the most world record fish? Folks at home, take a second to think about your answer. This is just a style, not a specific lore, just a, a, a category of lore. Am I supposed to guess now? Yes. Stick baits. Incorrect. The correct answer is jig. Now, of course... Uh, since jig was such a common answer, it's almost impossible to break jigs out into further categories. But to me, I don't really believe that matters all that much because in my mind, it's just proof that the action of a jig is hard to beat. And it doesn't really matter what kind of jig we're talking about. A hair jig, right, is pretty much doing the same thing in the water for walleyes as a bucktail jig is doing for stripers, as a flare hawk is doing for snook. Uh, as a, a jig and pig is doing for bass. It's the same basic action and the same basic design. So per the findings, these guys' findings, jigs of some sort, a jig, has claimed 1,105 world record fish. So next question, any guess at the second most record-catching lure style? Spoon. That is correct. <laughs> Spoon, oh, yeah. spoon is the number two, but here's what's fascinating. Jigs caught 1,105 world record fish. Take a swing at the total number of record fish the number two spoon has caught. 237. Very close. 211. So wow, that, really? is, that is a <laughs> staggering difference, right, between the number one and number two slots for the most world record catchingest lure. Um, the number three spot is held by plastic worms slash grubs with 195 world records, followed by plugs in the number four spot with 177 world records. Now, as I mentioned, uh, the Lure Love team uh, also took the liberty, God bless them, of breaking down the count by brand. And the number one slot by brand should be no surprise, but let's see how good you are. Which Lure brand holds more world records than any other? Uh, Hashimoto Concepts. <laughs> uh, no, the answer is Rapala with a total yeah. of uh, 489 world records. And it's it's. I said before that uh, Plugs only caught 177 world records, but Plugs... You didn't say that before, but I, yes. Okay. I, I did say that before. Did I absolutely, I absolutely did. When? Followed by Plugs in the number four spot with 177 world records. But plugs in the other category, the other bracket, did not encompass crankbaits, topwaters, and jerkbaits. They were all ranked separately. So those 489 records for Rapala are across 
all categories Rapala plays in, not just the uh, original Rapala floater. Uh, number two brand. Any guesses? Oh, God, you're such a nerd, man. I'm done with this. Um, number two brand. Um... No, I don't have a guess. Meps takes the number two spot with 99 yeah, world records. Sense. But interestingly, inline spinners account for only 110 world records total. So if 99 of them belong to Meps, good for you, Meps. Way to slack off there, Panther Martin. Uh, where are you at? <laughs> Panther has only ever claimed 17 world records total. Um, How many did the Swiss swing? I yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back to the list Wait, and look. Hold on a second. How many inline spinner records were there? So according to their findings, there are 110 world record fish that have been caught on inline spinners. And then according okay. to their it, brand findings, 99 of those 110 were on MEP spinners. And how many were on the other one? Panther Martin? I it, Well, it says 17, but keep in mind, they don't just make inline spinners. That could be a Panther oh. Martin Vivif or, you know, the, some of the soft plastic stuff they make. So it's it's not necessarily broken down that way. Welcome to Gotcha Journalism, folks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, now, I found this fascinating. The number three spot goes to Yozori, which is fascinating because compared to other brands on that list, it really hasn't been around all that long. So that says something about Yozori. Um, it far outranks brands like Cordell, Rebel, and Rooster Tail. So that's it. And hmm. props to the Lore Love Podcast Boys for doing all that painstaking work. So somebody else like me or Hayden didn't have to. Um, and as you are, you, you brought up 13. I'm going to make it my personal mission to get a 13 lore ranked. World record rock bass on a Poppy McPop face. Tune in this summer. Watch it happen live. <laughs> well, Joe, what a uh, what a wonderful, uh, you know, I, I did this kind of the same thing in that shark trivia, the Hayden's Shark and Shark Attack Trivia Challenge quiz show. Hayden's Jaws Pop Quiz Retribution Shark and Shark Attack Trivia Challenge Quiz Show. It's a shark! A shark! It's a big ass shark! It's on your pole, baby. Keep reeling. Yeah. Um, yep. As soon as that was done, I was like. It's time for me to leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please enter your password. You have one unheard message. Joe, Joe, Joe. Leaving me here like one of those sad dogs in, in a Sarah McLaughlin commercial, man. Come on. All right, well, I hope everything turns out good for you, Joe, and, and you get to do uh, all the things in your fishy future, man. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, also, f*** you for abandoning me. Alright, bye Joe. End of message. Delete. Press 7. Save. Deleted. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you 
to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Okay, so uh, for a final time this week in Fish News, I actually did a uh, a, a real story. Uh, we're covering really? something. Really? Took this long. <laughs> you um we're, we're covering something super heavy and catastrophic unfortunately uh no just kidding uh, we're gonna end it on a pretty neutral note here with the story courtesy of uh shoal and the guardian and that's uh that's two publications shoal and the guardian uh not a maritime themed indie rock band anyway uh <laughs> shoal has just released their uh their 2021 guide of newly discovered species the document details a discovery of 212 species of freshwater fish with notable entries given some extra love up front. Basically, it's a guide to eight or ten fish that are cool slash do cool shit and then a list of a bunch of other less cool fish. Um, we, and we've actually talked about this the shoal organization. This is so organiza- good. This is so right, by the way. Like, this is so right. Go ahead. We've actually talked about the uh, the shoal organization before when, uh, when I highlighted the discovery of a fish I couldn't pronounce in an area I also couldn't pronounce. I think it was somewhere in Turkey and uh, I, f- I forget. I just remember that uh, Miles called me and gave me a bunch of shit over it. Oh, yeah, because you uh, couldn't pronounce the <laughs> Turkish president's name. Yeah, whatever. Still can't. Uh, Shoal is an organization whose uh, mission it is to discover, rediscover, and document freshwater fish. As, uh, as far as I know, they're the single largest organization highlighting the important but often overlooked conservation issues surrounding those freshwater fish. So I, I got the story from The Guardian, but rather than explicating the article, let's just dive into what you guys really want to hear about, the cool fish at the top of the list. <laughs> let's start with this banger, the Wolverine Pleco. Shishing. Love it. I just love the word Pleco. Pleco's good. I've had some Plecos in some tanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So uh, Pleco is an armored catfish, a popular aquarium fish, and in many cases, an extremely invasive species. In fact, I'm pretty sure you uh, you did a store on them in 
Texas, Texas, Texas. They're yeah. overrun with, with they're overrun with them some bitches down there. You need some plecos. Yeah, well, don't go to PetSmart. Go to Texas. <laughs> well, uh, enter the Wolverine pleco now, Joe. <laughs> what is the primary defense mechanism of a catfish aside from being slippery and breaking leaders right at the boat? Oh, all kinds of sharp, pointy spines and junk. Yeah, indeed, the spines. Uh, like many other species of catfish, the Wolverine pleco has spines, but unlike many species of catfish, the armored pleco has these kind of like spiny arm projections right by its gill plates and it's actually able to thrust those at predators Ooh. and I, I i guess presumably prey maybe, maybe? maximal thrust yeah <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't say that in the report but it sounds cool uh sorry science anyway uh that that's where it gets its name after the x-men character uh because of its ability to thrust its spines out of its little fish arms uh it should also be noted that these things up researchers so much that they included this quote we all had our fingers injured or bleeding by the violence of them trying to pinch us (laughs) with their big lateral hooks on the head in the official report Uh, did you just make a salad fingers reference no no i said my fingers hurt which is uh from from, uh everybody knows where that's from it's from billy madison no it's shit it's not from billy madison it's from happy gilmore happy gilmore that's why i don't deserve to be here because i just confused happy gilmore and billy madison i'm i apologize so much yeah among other things anyway (laughs) so there was another notable find and it came from india uh the mumbai blind eel a red eyeless demon snakefish uh while that in itself is kind of cool the real coincidence is where they found it per the report the eel was found quote Somewhat ironically for a blind fish, a 40-foot well on the premises of a school for the blind. Okay, and I'd like to point out uh, that this is not the right use of ironically. It's coincidental. It would be ironic if it were found at a school for the visually gifted. (laughs) That's terrific. There's a t-shirt wrapped up in there somewhere. Anyway. Yeah, so so finally we have a, uh, a new species of trout found in Turkey. Salmo baliki. Hmm. Uh, first off, anytime there's like a new trout discovered, I get a little bit excited because one, I like to fish for trout and 90% of the time they're like beautiful fish. This one looks like something halfway between like a, a, a bull and brown trout with like dime sized orange spots. Like, have you ever seen like a, somebody post a picture of a brown with like those crazy big, like 10, 20 scale, like orange, like, you know, yeah. like just Big yeah, polka dot. yeah it's, it's, it sounds like amazing. That. It's a very Some, pretty fish. Somebody is already there filming it for the fly fishing film tour, so we'll see it <laughs> next season. Yeah, well, that said, um, it, this very pretty fish is in a serious peril because by the time researchers discovered it and recognized it as a separate species, it had already become the victim of ghost fishing. Ghost fishing, which sounds like what you'd call texting a potential love interest a picture of someone else and then ignoring them forever <laughs> once they respond, uh, as far as I can tell, it's just a weird way of saying poaching. Um, although there are strict rules in place to protect trout in this region, they are often flat out ignored, and the ruralness of the areas in which they're found make regulations basically unenforceable. Anyway, um, that is my, that's my wrap on fish news, buddy. Well, b- best of luck to the Salmo Baliki. I think they're having the same problems as the uh, the Timon that everybody loves. They're out there so remotely that you just Timon. can't police Timon. it. Time. Re- I thought it was Taman. Wrecked him. Damn near are, killed are him. Are we? Are we? Are we ending fish news with Joe mispronouncing something? Is it Taman or Timon? I th- I think it's Taman. 
I'm don't looking for know. Chester Floyd that, outside of the podcast studio. <laughs> I'll go ask him. <laughs> that was that was a, a very fun ending to Fish News. That was a good time, uh, and we like to keep the good times rolling here. So this is it. I've spent a year and a half trying to figure out what the hell Phil wants. Phil, what do you want? What was the actual secret to winning? Can what you let you want, us know? Phil? What do you want, Phil? What did you want from us this whole time? I just can't handle the pressure anymore. Make you happy, man. So we're gonna we're gonna hear from old Phil one more time, and then um, because because I think we all need it because it's calming and soothing. We, we've got one more sagely wisdom with the very real river horse lined up, um, and I I I think it is a a perfect closer from River Horse, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Hey, Chester, Taman or Tymon? Taman. I don't even really know how to start this. Um, I'm a little sad, to be honest, and I'm sure everyone listening is too. Uh, when I came into this recording that I'm doing right now, I thought, okay, it's the last fish news. How do I top myself? Do I kill myself again but actually stay dead? Do I tell another story about a Kraken, but this time make it 20 minutes long instead of just 10 like last time? I don't know. Uh, but I thought, no, no, no. I'm not going to do any of that. No pomp and circumstance, nothing special. This is about you, Joe and Hayden, not me. So I'm going to answer your question, Joe. What did I want? What was I looking for during all of these fish news segments? What did I want? Well, it's easy. I want you to want me. today what the hell hey now this is river horse coming to you from the deep south with some sagely wisdom Today's story is all about getting on a roll. In this short, bleeding, fragile, and ever-beautiful life, there will be some obligatory tides. The good times, all heady and sublime. The tough times, the belly-ups, the dust-ups that may leave you on the flat of your back. And sometimes even the first place take the trophy finishes far ahead of the pretenders and all points in between. 
This is all par for the course, and how we learn to appreciate the smallest moments for the sweet bounty they are. Life asks us to roll up our sleeves and go full bore, sleep in the dirt, and pay our dues to get to the magical moments out in wilderness, especially with fishing. This story is about unleashing it at a little city park pond, absolutely laying it down, baby, opening up a supreme can of whoop-ass with the perfectly chosen fly, and it's called El Grande. El Grande. I've gone cross-eyed. I've been writing for three days straight on deadline for a 14-pager about Merle Haggard's former guitarist. The masses in Houston are no doubt going apeshit everywhere, for today is the beginning of a long, sunny spring weekend. Though I make it a point to avoid places that aren't far off the grid on the weekends, this afternoon found me in the throes of wanton lust for bass. Just one fish, and I could start to put things together again. From golf courses to ranches, country clubs, lakes, rivers, behind McMansions, and city park ponds, there are endless, corpulent Texas bass within minutes. With just a couple hours to go until dark, I hit the closest run from the bungalow's front door, and as expected, have to park the truck on the grass since it was packed to the rafters. I don't bring much to easy local runs like these. A little seven-foot three-weight with a 16-pound leader and a handful of my favorite fly in the world, the Umqua Diving Frog. Most of us all have a go-to fly. This is mine. They say you need all sorts of flies for bass, but I could give a rat's ass about what people say. I'd rather probe topwater in the weedy shallows and coves than go subsurface, no matter what fish I might miss out on. Anything else is dredging to me. I'll admit it, I get off watching that little green frog spit, hump, and growl all the way home. If the bite is on, I'll fish. If not, fine. I'll hang on the banks and have a sandwich, a beer, and a nap. This city park is small. It doesn't take more than 30 minutes to work your way around it. I wedge in between the hordes of good old boys with bobbers, and with only a couple seconds, damn if that frog pupper doesn't deliver the goods. I can attest that my fishing abilities are not really anything special I put in my time, but some days there have been plenty of brutal skunks, schoolings, and tails between the legs all the way home drives. Not today. I stopped six times and six sweetheart bass nail the frog and go haywire while the pissed-off glares come from all sides. There hadn't been any fish caught all day, until now, when I showed up. And then, six in a row. I'm on the final stretch of water, a 50-foot cluster of reeds, cattails, and lily pads without much room for a back cast. I lean out for one last go-round, and as the swim frog lands, it goes down in an implosive swirl. On a three-weight, you know pretty damn quick when things are serious. Unable to high-stick this one, 
the rod submerges a foot under the water, and I just let him burrow and run. A giant crowd gathers behind me while all the other fishermen just stare with brownie faces. I finally drag the enormous fat-ass bass to the bank, and I hear screams, shouts, howls, and cheers from the rabbit gallery. El Grande, El Grande, El Grande. Oh yes, she is. Let's agree that fishing is not always about fishing, and it's often brutally humbling. Some days you get the chicken, other days just the feathers. But for those who say fishing is not about catching fish, oh bullshit. I hold El Grande aloft for all to see, feeling like I just shot the moon. Throngs of kids are jumping up and down, hooting and pumping fists into the sky. Cell phone cameras chirp away. I see the expectant characters with obscene cooking forks in hands and drool forming on their lips. As the smoke from all the barbecue grills in the park gently lilts into the skies, El Grande is released with redemption on his lips. The entire park goes audibly silent. And that's our sagely wisdom for this time, my brothers and sisters. And remember, never be afraid to let them go on to be caught another day if your table is already full of goodness and your freezer. You'll reap the bounty in the days ahead. You just watch. Now, get out there and find your own groove. I will see you along the path. So I couldn't think uh, of a more fitting uh, final sagely wisdom. I swear, I did not have River Horse pen that around my departure. I, in fact, I didn't even ask the guy for a new sagely wisdom. Like, Bro, I'll be, I saw uh, the Venmo payment. No, 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 no. There was no, <laughs> dude. Literally, like this is how River Horse operates. I'll be, I'll be like falling asleep at midnight, and all of a sudden, it's just like my my phone lights up, and there's like. 10 new audio files from River Horse. It's like Dude, that some... has to like f*** up your night a little bit, man. I, well, you were I, drifting well, off so peacefully and now it's like 4 a.m. and you're just staring at the ceiling. <laughs> well, <laughs> but he seems like one of those guys where it's like when inspiration hits, he's going right now. Like you're going to hear his words right now. But uh, I listened to that one when he sent it and I said, man, this just works. So much of what he said there uh, resonated with me, particularly putting them back if your plate is full. And I hope I actually get to spend some time with that guy someday. Uh, I would really love that. Did you ever tell him about that note we got from that one listener that said uh, his voice makes his girlfriend act funny and (laughs) he's not sure if he likes it? I did. I did tell him that. Uh, One For the last time, what just as a reminder, River Horse is very real. People have been speculating that he's a made-up character and he is not. You need to follow him on the gram and read his writing because he is one of a kind. Anyway, uh, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close out this week's show uh, with the OG closer, the original closer, that being end of the line. We're going to skip the bent helpline here, but stick around because we're going to do a night fishing. Um, but this was always one of my favorite segments to put together. I've always loved end of the line, but I'm actually going to let Hayden give us one final end of the line entry here, because, um, while I may have had more end of the lines over the last year and a half, some of yours have been my favorites. So let's find out which fly you cannot live without. Fishy, 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 fishy. 
Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. Spring is finally starting to make its way out west, and that's great because I'm just about over fishing through uh, through two feet of ice. In observation of a particularly beautiful afternoon, uh, I recently decided to get out and make a quick after-work hit on one of my favorite little streams just north of town. Uh, I got to the water and I looked in my box. I, I pretended to consider this fly and that fly, but I knew what I'd end up tying on. And it's a fly I've talked about here on the podcast often. That faithful, fishy, size 12, tonguehead, CDC soft tackle pheasant tail nymph with the orange hotspot. It's been my go-to for years, and I, I think it always will be. Pheasant tails are my favorite nymphs, period. <laughs> you can keep your waltz worms, your pertagons, your hares here. I, I, I don't know what it is about them, but man, those things just fish. And sure, my version of it is far from classic. I mean, it's tied on a jig hook, but the classic tie works beautifully as well. But what is the classic tie when we're talking about a pheasant tail nymph? To answer that, we need to go all the way back to the invention of the pheasant tail and its inventor. Frank Sawyer was, a, uh, was first a river keeper on the Avon at Lake in Wiltshire, managing six miles of river right by modern day Sting's house. I, I know that's not really relevant to the story, but I think uh, it's funny that Sting owns that place now and, and I had to work that in there. Anyhow, Sawyer worked there for about three years until moving on to the Officers Fishing Association, which is now known as the Services Dry Fly Fishing Association. The SDFFA is a fishing club along the River Avon, and it's open exclusively to active duty and retired military, as well as a very few number of civilians. Sawyer worked there until his death. As a river keeper at the Services Dry Fly Fishing Association, uh, Sawyer spent his life on the water and eventually became known for not only his stewardship, but for his, uh, his sunken nymph fly patterns as well. In 1958, he developed his most enduring of those patterns, the pheasant tail nymph. The pheasant tail is considered one of the oldest modern nymph patterns that we use today. The original tying of the pheasant tail nymph is unique by today's standards for one main reason. It did not include the use of thread. In fact, the original pheasant tail only included fibers from the tail of a cock pheasant and copper wire. After tying the pheasant tail fibers in, the wire and fibers would be twisted together before being wound around the hook shank to form the body of the nymph. Tying in this way achieved two things. It created a durable body and a certain amount of flash where the wire would peek out in between the fibers. Today, we mostly fish a variant of the original pattern, the most basic of which is only a small departure from Sawyer's with the inclusion of a peacock hurl thorax. I like to fish a variant with soft hackle and a beadhead. There are endless ways to modify the pattern, and no matter where you go, you're likely to find some local variant that, for one reason or another, seems to outfish all others. One thing I know is that Sawyer's inspired pattern will forever be my go-to, and no matter where I'm fishing, when it comes to trout, you're more likely than not to see a pheasant tail nymph on the end of my line. So that's it for this week, Degenerates. We've got one week of bent left, uh, and we're going to close out doing a little reminiscing, having some laughs, so join us. However, I regret to inform you God, that we we no longer need you to keep sending those awkward moments, Selbin items, bar nominations. We, do we need you, but we don't need the emails. <laughs> we don't need we don't need the e you you stick around, keep your emails to yourselves. Uh, you can stop sending all that John to Ben at the mediator.com. So um yeah, and uh and, and how about a little uh we've talked about the hashtags, Joe. Yeah, so what, here, what about a little note on the hashtags? Here's what I'm gonna say about the hashtags, right? 
Uh, bent or not, you'll always be degenerate anglers. So will I. So will Hayden. So I vow to keep monitoring the degenerate angler hashtag on the gram. You know I'm a people person. Um, I love shooting the shit with you guys on social, unlike Miles, who disappeared on social when he <laughs> left Bent. I shall not, because I know how to set up a goddamn Instagram account properly. So... Yeah, yeah, and I'm trying to be an influencer, so I'll be there too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, I'm I. One thing uh, that we might look forward to on social, Joe, is uh, I might even start tie along Tuesdays back you, up. You should. I told I you. You now. should. You should keep doing tie along Tuesdays. Hell, uh, I might even join you now and again. Anyway, I can't tell you guys how much fun it has been making the show. And while every week has been a blast. Some bits just stood out more than others. That's a hint for next week. Yes, we're going to go uh, full-on mystery science theater, Ben style. I might even drink a red beer while we're doing it. You know, I gotta say, so night fishing was your idea, mm. and I liked it. And I am, I am sorry that we are not going to continue that on because I do love a good secret track. Um, but full disclosure, like throughout this, you have been a little like, oh, just let it, just let it go. Answer as many questions as we want. Yeah. I'm always the guy like, no, there is a there's schedule, there <laughs> is time, there is we have to be finished by only four, pick four. And today, to be honest with you, man, like we're just you have. There, I am looking at a lot of questions yeah. here, and I will. We can answer them all. I, I yeah. give zero shits right now. We can make this a whole other two-hour podcast for all I care. All right, well, let's try. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, folks, welcome. Just see where we go. Just go with yeah, the flow. Yeah. Okay, so folks, welcome to night fishing. Um, this is the uh, the thing that we did once, and now we'll have done twice. Um, <laughs> we're uh, second time's a charm. Yeah, we're gonna answer uh, some of your most uh, most pertinent questions, and because this is the uh, the last ever installment of night fishing, I figured, uh, you know, hell, we'll uh, we'll see how many we can get to. So uh, there is no time on the clock. We're just gonna kind of rip through nope. as many as we can, and then, uh, yeah, that'll be it. So, Joe, uh, we're gonna start with this one. Uh, this comes from, and all these resources on Instagram. Uh, this comes from Wally eight nine one. If you had one fish to fish for for the rest of your life, besides snakeheads and burbot, which is, I assume, referencing uh, our personal inclinations, <laughs> what would that fish be? Mine would be burbot. Mine would be snakeheads. There you go, Wally. Now, <laughs> uh, dude, that's come up with me before. You know, I, I there, there is no one. There, there's not like I. I can whittle it down to fresh and salt. I guess it would be striped bass and wild browns. Those are my two. Like if mm -hmm. I if I really had to pick two, stripers and wild browns for me, Wally. Yeah, I mean like okay, so from like the sporting aspect and like where they take me, I would have to go for just like trout. You know, maybe even cutthroats, uh, just because I think they're cool and they live in beautiful places. And I don't know, there there's like a certain like poetic element 
to uh to trout fishing if i were to go for like something that i really wanted to eat a lot um you know probably like tuna something like that some some good some like sashimi well yeah i mean i i could i could answer that question like if i had to pick one it would be tuna but i ain't got that kind of money wally tuna is (laughs) expensive you know what i mean well you didn't say there was a financial (laughs) constraint on it all right so uh, well then i just pop tuna like endless summer all you know all summer long in the northeast and then i'd go to australia so that's what i would go there you go. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, the format of these, I'm just going to keep pitching them to you. You lead off. I'll follow you up. Uh, yeah. This one comes from Derek, the fancy caveman, who asks, been to Manitoba? Are you hunting this spring? Any bear plans? No. No. And no. Uh, I've not been to Manitoba. I'd like to. I'd like to go to BC. BC people, you have been riding me on that. I have, I have never found my way to British Columbia. I've done uh, Saskatchewan, way up north, and it was one of the coolest Top five coolest trips I've ever been on in my life. That was a pike trip. Am I hunting this spring? No. Any bear plans? No. Believe it or not, there was a time, boys and girls, when I did both hunt and fish. Um, And then eventually I was like, I'm just the fish guy. So no, none for me. (laughs) All right. Well, um, my answers are no, yes, and uh, and yes. Um, Never been to Manitoba. I am definitely hunting this spring. Um, You know, for all the fishing that I do, I do a about an equivalent amount of hunting. Um, and then any bear plans, you bet, man. Um, I'm going to be hunting bears in Montana. And then I have a pretty cool mule deer tag. And in part of uh, scouting mule deer for next season, I'm going to shoot down to Idaho where I picked up a bear tag as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm only going to shoot one bear, I think. No, I know I'm only going to shoot one bear um, just because you don't need to shoot two bears in a season. But... Um, but yeah, so those are uh, those are my bear plans. Uh, next question, Fish Daddy four hundred one asks. Yeah, he's 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 a re- he he makes a bunch of uh, molded baits. I don't know if you follow okay. that dude on Instagram, but he, yeah, I will uh, now. I, yeah, I, I, I've watched some of his live t- live ties, live pours. I guess um, yeah. he asks least favorite species to catch walleyes. And the, <laughs> the this is like my last opportunity. Is, this is like my last opportunity on bent to take a dump on walleyes, and I will continue <laughs> to do it. Mad respect for the people who are good at catching them. I get it, but as a fish to target, uh, they suck. I'm sorry, walleye suck. Yeah, yeah. Um, my least favorite is rock bass. I always Re- get bummed. Really? How can yeah. you be mad at rock bass? Oh, dude, they're like an American treasure. Well, a couple reasons. Number one, I'm always fishing for something else when I catch them. Number two, I've never eaten one. So, like, you know, maybe they're amazing, like, table fare, but, like, it's just not something I've experienced. It's Are funny they? you, you bring that up. No, well, I, I, I don't know. I've never eaten them either, but, um, it, man, this has come up. I've written about it in years past. Like, when I was a kid, there were rock bass everywhere around here. Yeah. Every stream, like, there were rock... Dude, they're getting harder and harder to find in the Northeast, and there's something to that that nobody can quite figure out, but many people have agreed, like, yeah, shit, we don't catch rock bass the way we used to. I do still yeah. have a couple of spots. Uh, well, it wouldn't surprise I've, me if, like, the stocking of other game fish is kind of, like, pushed maybe. them out of there. But you brought, up, you brought up eating them. I was fishing in West Virginia years ago on the New River, and, man, you catch some stud rock bass between the smallies there. And those West Virginia boys, I mean, you know, dude, they'll they'll, they'll fry up anything down there. 
mm. but they're not a huge fan. They it, yeah. it's it they say it tastes okay, but it's a very kind of soft, mushy meat. So yeah, I've never bumped into anybody the, said it was great. It's always kind of like the inkling that I got when it when it came to eating rock bass. And also like I'm kind of like scarred because like anytime me and my dad would be bass fishing and he called a rock bass, which was often, or I called a rock bass, which was often, he'd go, Rock bass. <laughs> I like your dad. That's great. Yeah. And so and so like I just like kind of have that forever like etched um oh i'm gonna start you you can tell your dad i'm gonna start using that every time i catch (laughs) one uh okay so uh grant burger woodworking uh asks if you could write your own travel slash fish species specific book what would it be Mine would be, uh, I'd title it The Complete Guide to Surf Casting. It's actually a book that already exists. You can look it up, Grant, on Amazon and purchase yourself a copy. Do a brother a favor. Otherwise, I can't disclose any of that because um, I, I can't. I can't. I couldn't. I'm, I'm not spitting out future book ideas, though I do have some. Yeah. Um, if I could write, I would. Uh... <laughs> Which you can. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I don't know what that would be, man. Like, you know, part of me wants to do a. Uh... <sighs> See, it's kind of conflicting because a lot of the stuff that I'm passionate about is rooted in like a semi-esoteric knowledge. And, and, and we, I talk a lot about blue lining brook trout. And so like a blue line guide and like maybe a uh, some thoughts on blue lining and the sort of places that it takes you would be something that I'd be interested in writing about. But, but I don't want everyone to go and start doing that just because like those little streams can yeah. take like, you know, barely any pressure. And the reality is, is like, if you, particularly out East, man, if you start talking about like even vague terms, like drainages, you know, yep. you can pretty much be like, okay, he's talking about one of 15 tributaries. But in my opinion, that's a writable book without getting too specific. I mean, if I if I were if I were forced to write yeah, that maybe, book, maybe man, but like I wouldn't you like go straight I, tactics and and sort of what to look for without being very specific. Yeah, but that's kind of like the beauty about blue lining, man. It's like it's very like while we're waxing, anyhow. Um, one of the things that I like about blue lining is that it's a really good way to learn how to read water and understand fish because it's so a b like you know there aren't a lot of like questions left on the table if a fish doesn't take the fly that you present to it in a blue line, um, you know, either you're just like not fishing the right technique for that period of time or your cast and drift were bad. Most of the time, if you put on an elk hair caddis, anytime from March to, uh, you know, November. And I mean, I, w- I wouldn't suggest fishing through October, by the way, because that's when the brook trout are spawning. But if you if you were to do that, um, you would get hit as long as your drift was right and your cast was good. Um, so like that's what I really like about blue lining is actually like the kind of tactical deficiency and more of just like the the feedback on your skill. Yeah, and you're right. You're no. You're, what are you laughing right. about? Because I just think it's easy as shit. Like it's just well, it easy fishing. It's easy yeah. fishing. So, like I love wild brook trout as much as the next guy. But whereas I know you're the guy that will follow that stream up for miles, mm-hmm. I'll do the first quarter mile and like catch a whole bunch, and then I'm like, all right, now where do we? Now what do we do? Like I can't. It doesn't hold my interest all day. Right. You know? Right. And again, like I I think that it is easy fishing. But and if you're a beginner listening to this, um, I would check out 
blue lining. Um, number one, you're going to find a lot of opportunities that you didn't know were there. Number two, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of that kind of water that, uh, that you kind of think of when you think about fly fishing for trout. And then number three, it really is a good way to learn how to read the water and, you know, identify like, oh, that was a good drift. And I can tell because I got hit and that was a bad drift because I'm reading the water. I know there's a bucket right there and I know that there's a trout in it. And if it didn't hit, it's because like something was wrong with my drift. I got some weird drag or something. But anyway, that's the book that I would write if I were to write a book. Listen, people are so desperate to get out and away from people right now. If you dropped a really good blue line book, it would probably sell because that's another thing I've learned. Like your first book is often your passion project. And after Mm. you see how much time goes into that passion you're like, ah, the next one's got to make money or I'm not doing it. Yeah, so. well, maybe we'll delete this question. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, <laughs> this one comes from uh, DHA Lab Dan, who actually started the comment thread that uh, ended up getting me hired here. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Well, um, he says, uh, are family-friendly fishing boats, and I believe like by that he means like ski fish hybrids, like the Yamaha FSH 210 actually fishy? Um I'm gonna. Yeah. I'll I'll lead off with this one. I yeah. grew up learning how to fish on on one of these boats. It was like a Stratus, I think. Yeah, it, I, it, it had like somewhere in between the live wells where you could throw up a ski pylon. And the, the problem was though, it's like it still had a lot of bass boat behind it, so you wouldn't even notice. But you'd be going, um, you'd like have your buddy Jack on the tube behind you, and your your dad would be like bumping up that motor to the point that next thing you know, you're going 50 miles an hour. Jack's hanging on for dear life. You hit a bump. Jack gets launched. The inner tube thing gets caught under his nose, rips a gash across his face. And uh, now you're at the hospital. Um, that what actually the hell happened. What are you talking about right now? How what? is this answering the man's question? Uh, Dan, he I they're family up- friendly. <laughs> family what friendly. Is it? This, this question doesn't make a lot of sense. I did a quick search on the Yamaha F Ace whatever 210. It's just a little center console. Oh. That's all. It's just a little. It's just a little center console. Oh, so I, I thought I'm he was really- talking about. I thought he was talking about one of those like um, they're advertised like ski sport hybrids. Uh, no, I Googled it and it's 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 just a little Yamaha 21 foot center console. So I don't quite understand by fishy. Like, dude, you can fish on an inner tube if you know how to fish. I mean, I don't see. I don't know if it's a good boat or anything, but it's just it's just a little, just a little center console. So I would say yes, it's probably fishy. Wait, hold on, Joe. Hold on. I'm mean, I'm not even gonna have this be edited out. I'm just gonna send you this thing that I'm looking at right here. Here's what I learned how to fish on. Did you get it, Joe? I did. Yeah, but I mean that's technically like a that's a that's actually a fishing boat. That's yeah, not that's a ski boat. Was, yeah, no. no. I, well, I'll tell you what. See, Joe, this is where like I for once am more experienced than you in this. It is a ski boat because it had this like stupid little pylon that you it had these like rivets by the live wells and you'd screw a ski pylon into where you're uh, Yeah, it's called the ski fish, which means it does both things. Yeah, no, I I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um but anyhow, um, okay, to answer your question, bro, yeah, you can fish from them. They're, they're fine. 
You can fish um, from you, anything that floats, dude. Yeah, if, if it you, floats, you can fish from it. Yeah, and, uh, and if you're looking to do like ski activities, towing, tubing, things like that, heed my tubing warning. And uh, if you get into wakeboarding later, man, they don't throw a particularly good wake. So like you're not going to be able to jump a whole bunch. You're going to look like a dork. Um, anyhow, Jared Curland, Jared.Curland uh, asks, what's the best way to get involved with guiding? Take a whole bunch of people who don't want to listen to you fishing and see how you feel at the end of the day before you decide that. And That'd don't charge one. them because that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a tough one, man. I, well, I, I was say it depends on where you live. Like if you're lucky enough to live in, in, in high tourist destinations like Montana that have a lot of shops, I mean – you link up with a shop or an outfitter. Maybe you start by just sweeping the floors in the fly shop and work your way up. Um, out here, there really aren't a lot of outfitters. You just kind of go independent. You just kind of do it. You just put yourself out there. After getting appropriately certified. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. You got, And then how you get certified varies state by state. Um, but I don't know. Involved with guiding or being a guide uh, – I don't know. It sort of depends on on what it is you want to do. I mean, you can always find a gig in Alaska, but depending on your experience level, you know, you might not like the gig. Um, But really, before anybody considers, people ask me all the time, dude, why don't you guide on the side? Why don't you guide on the side? And I've said this on this show. I love taking new people fishing. If they want to go fishing and learn and listen. As soon as like you like know better, even though you've never done the shit we're doing, I'm like, then I'm just gonna crush you with a rod and reel. I don't care. I don't care about your success anymore. I yeah. don't have the patience. Um, so make sure you have that before you get involved in any kind of guiding. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna echo what Joe said. Uh, getting involved in a fly shop uh, and working your way up is a pretty good way to go i guess if you're committed to it um the reason being is that eventually you know one of those fishing guides will be too hung over to take folks out and yeah next thing you know you're driving uh you're driving down to the boat ramp with a bunch of people who don't want to listen to you <laughs> a lot of times the shop a lot of times the shop or outfitter also covers your insurance because that ain't cheap yeah and that's actually uh some an insurance-esque question is going to come up later okay so this comes from underscore have gun will travel he says, ask Joe to walk us through how he makes fly leaders for pike again. Joe, oh, very how do, quickly. can you walk us <laughs> how to make a uh, pike I'm, leaders? I'm going to try and not walk it too long because it's it's uh, it's it's kind of boring. But um, I always, I'm usually fishing pike with a sink tip line, whether it's slow or fast, regardless. So I just use like a straight shot, like four feet of 30-pound fluorocarbon. And then I love um, Cortland's ST10 is their tieable uh, steel leader. It actually comes on a coil like tippet. Mm. So I all bright knot from the 30 pound to, you know, a foot long section of that steel leader. Then I put a perfection loop at the end of the steel and use a really good quality clip so I can just quickly clip flies off and on and that's it. Done. Donezo. Mm. So the whole thing is about five feet total. I like a short leader. Cool. DJ Roloff asks, uh, what peeves do you have about fishing media? You go first. Um, <clears throat> um, what peeves do I have about fishing media? Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think we address that in a lot of the stuff that we do in that a lot of it doesn't show, um, a lot of it doesn't show things that are like accessible to folks. 
you know, a That's lot of fair. it doesn't show the uh, the you know the, the the reality of what fishing is to the average person. And like, I'm gonna get on like a stump speech for a second here, man. Uh, fishing is important, and accessible fishing is important. And here's why. Uh, in my mind, when you're trying to bring people into like the outdoors in a meaningful way, you, you want them to have fun, but like you want them to become effective lifelong conservationists. Right. And like, that's like a commitment that can only be made with like joy and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Um, that joy and enthusiasm comes from an appreciation of all the natural world has to offer. And a good way to develop that appreciation is by experiencing what the natural world has to offer. And fishing, in my mind, is the single most accessible way for the average person to do that. So in showing more accessible fishing in outdoor media, like, that's what I would want for it. So it's not like so much a peeve is like a desire. Like, I want more representation of accessible fishing in outdoor media. Yep. Yep. No. And I, I agree with that, man. That's a really good answer. I'm going to keep mine very short and sweet, and I'm certainly not going to name names. Um, what what bothers me is there are a lot of very successful people in fishing media these days with very large followings. And if you know anything about fishing and pay attention to them, even in the slightest, most of them have very little to no idea what the hell they're talking about. They just don't yeah. have the background experience. They haven't really done shit. They haven't really been anywhere. They haven't really learned anything. They are just spouting off crap, which is fine, right? But it's like, man, these are the people that maybe that that kid or that next generation, like they're going to get them into fishing. And like I watch some of these things and I'm like, you sound so dumb, right? You, you have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So I, it, it just, it, it, I, I am always one to be like, if I don't know, I'll tell you, I don't know. I have no, I don't know anything about doing that kind of fishing. I don't know anything about this. Um, I can find out for you, talk to some good people, but I value authenticity. And I think authenticity works if you can admit that you're not an expert. That's fine. That's still authentic. But the amount of people out there that I just watch this shit and I'm like, you, you just have no clue what you're talking about right now. That bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> so carnivore870 asks do fish caught through the ice taste better than fish caught during the summer uh do that's one of those weird things my i i want to say yes like i do believe that not even necessarily ice just cold water versus warm water um but is there science behind that there could be if there is i'm not aware of it but I would say yes to that. Something caught out of cold water always seems to taste better than something caught out of warm water. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Uh, Coldboy17 says, you have one species and one method of fishing for life. What is it? Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't I don't ever know how to answer these. That's that's like saying you not to bring up golf again, but like you can play any course in the world, but you can only take your putter. Like, no, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I love I love all types of fishing too much. Like it, I, do you have an answer for that? Like, do you have a, a a true answer for that? Yep, I'm going with my boy Corey Calkins, uh, drifting down the Yellowstone, fly fishing big stupid foam bugs for uh, big stupid brown trout. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 like I, I, I can't whittle that down. I'm sorry, Colby. I Cole okay. boy, seventeen, whatever. Moving on. Yeah. 
Um, MK Rao 72 says, is the guide or the client responsible for replacing broken equipment? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, man, that seems to, I, so I've been on, on charters before where that's like written in blood. Like you sign a thing, like anything you break, you buy. That's not, I don't, I don't want to say that's the norm. Most of the time it is not. So I think in, in most cases, is it your responsibility? No. I mean, like if you break a rod, it's like, well, that dude just took a business hit for the day. He's probably had rods broken before, but should you, cause you're a good human being and like now you just cost this guy. Hell yeah, you should. I would. I, I mean, that w- without without a doubt, especially if I did something stupid. If his rod breaks because he had a chip in it that he didn't know about, one thing. But like, if you're being an asshat and like smacking it off the gunnel, yeah, you should. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, depending on what happens, if you're like, you know, cranking on a fish and like you're not doing anything like dumb and the rod just like explodes, you know, that's like one thing. If you have casted it into a tree and you know, you keep, you know, candy caning it and trying to pop it out and like the rod breaks, maybe you ought to pay for it. On the other hand, if like the guide says, point it at like the tree and you do that and you pull it out and the split shot that you were using comes back and obliterates the rod, that's not really your fault, man. That's not your fault. You know, it it varies, man. Look, the bottom line is these guides, um, you know, a lot of them are working out of shops, in which case it's actually the shop's equipment, you know, most times. And, like, the shop realizes that that's just something that comes to the territory, same as, like, renting rods, right? Yes. Um, you know, if you're going out with a guy that you know is a sole proprietor, um, you know, maybe offer, to, maybe offer to pay for it. But it's case by case, man. If you're acting like an ass and you break a rod, you know, you got what was coming, and you ought to pay for it. If it was a pure accident, like, hey, rods break sometimes, man. That's just what it is. All right, moving on. Um, JDN44 says, what's the dumbest or sketchiest thing you've ever done to catch a fish? Man, that's a really awesome question. I feel like I should have this mega answer, and if I had more time to think about it, it would probably probably pop into my brain. Uh, but the the one that... Uh, that comes to the top of my head was in my hardcore surf fishing days, like in college, um, I used to do a lot of jetty hopping and I remember skipping class one day to catch a certain tide. And I got down to this particular jetty and took one look at it. And I knew it was too big to do it. Like it was stupid. Like it was too kicked up. And this jetty comes out like an L. So you have the main jetty pointing straight east offshore. And then about halfway out, you have an L shooting off to the north. And the, the, the stripers would, would feed in that elbow, like in that nook. And I, I looked at it and I was like, this is really stupid. But I drove all that way and I skipped class to go fish it. And you can easily talk yourself into going, well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And um, I was all by myself, and I I went out on that L. And luckily at the time, because I was still keeping stripers, I had a jetty gaff. I had a Calcutta long jetty gaff. And I went out, and like a couple, couple waves broke, and it was not that big a deal. Like I just held my ground and started fishing. And 
I, uh, I wedged the jetty gaff into the rocks next to me. And um, I looked down for about three seconds to, to change out a plug and just got my feet taken right out from under me. And luckily, on my way off the backside of that jetty, one hand caught the, the gaff that was still wedged in the rocks. And I had two more break over me while I was hanging on. And it scared the living shit out of me. But I, I just got up and, and got off. And um, that was dumb. That was dumb. I, I knew I shouldn't have been out there, but I was. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything quite like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think the common thread here is uh, underestimating heavy water. Um, yeah. You know, I, I remember I was steelhead fishing one time, and there was a bunch of pressure where I where I was. It was on the Salmon River, and I knew that there was a spot that I could probably cross because I'd gone over in a boat before with my buddy Scott, and I'd, like, see the bottom. I was like, oh, you know, that looks like kind of like an incognito place to cross, and if you crossed... You would uh, you would get access to a large portion of bank that a lot of folks didn't have access to. Yeah. Um. So I remember. Um. I remember just kind of like almost losing it in the middle of winter by myself in like a real sketchy spot. Also on the Salmon River, I was fishing across from this. Uh, I was fishing, and which is now, and I had waded across. I had come out like i don't even really think i got on the opposite bank which is like technically which is like private but like i'm fishing from the opposite side of uh opposite side of where everybody fishes and one of the stewards came down to me he was like hey um you know i saw you come down across this way and you know i just want you to know that like if one of our clients wants to uh wants to fish here you're gonna have to move um, and, and this is, <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this, but whatever. This is why I don't like the, uh, so in a huff, I was like, call the warden, man. Like I, I didn't oh, like, Oh God. I was, yeah. I was, I was like, I didn't do that. You know, you, you can, you can tell me you're, you're whatever, but I didn't do that. Um, so basically like I had like some words with this dude and I was just like, you know what? Fine. And I just like went to like cross back. Like, I was real annoyed, but I had missed the shelf by, like, just a touch. Mm -hmm. And so I start crossing back, and I realize that the line that I'm taking is not good. <laughs> and, but, 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 like, I'm pissed off and committed. So There's I'm, no going back. There's no spinning around. The, the amount, I've, yeah, I, I know this position. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm just going to do this, or I'm going to die doing it. And I did not die doing it, but uh, that was a pretty... I guess that's not the dumbest thing I've ever done to catch a fish, but maybe one of the dumber things I've done to prove a point. I've had so many sketchy wades, and I don't want to tell a whole other story, but the one that's most memorable, I got across, and I picked the spot where we were crossing uh, the broadhead, and this was Father's Day weekend, and I, I got across and turned around to see my poor old man in the middle of this heavy flow, waist deep with his flimsy little wading stick, looking at me like, if I don't die, I'm going to kill you the second I get over to that <laughs> bank and it was like the most hair raising five minutes of my life it was one of those deals where like you just were waiting like I was like he's gonna get taken off his feet any second and I picked the spot I picked the spot and now there's no going back there's no turning around you are going forward mm. luckily he made it and then we had a nice dinner at Shoney's or something yeah man that broadhead is funny dude because 
it, there are some stretches of it that you're like, oh, this is a peach. And there are other stretches of it where you're like, oh, yeah. you could go in there and never come back. All right. Um, <clears throat> Piker72 asks, uh, why do people who have a boat dock get pissed when other people fish it? <laughs> like, fuck off, dude. I'm fishing. I think he means from a boat. Well, yeah, he does mean from a boat. Um, so I have two thoughts on that. On a lake, I don't get it. I mean, if you have if you have a bass boat and you're pulling up in the middle of the day to somebody's dock and flipping his dock, I don't get it. They just must feel like whatever bass live under that dock are their bass. Now, in the saltwater scene, on the other hand, if I had waterfront property with a dock, I would absolutely pay the money to have green lights put out on that dock because there is nothing more fun than night dock fishing in salt water when the, the lights bring in all the bait and there's stripers and snook and whatever you have is just there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then if you roll up on a boat and fish my lights, now I'm pissed. Even though you have every right to do so, yeah. I would be furious. But if I had a lakefront home and a dude rolled up and flipped it, I wouldn't give a damn. Like, good for no. you, man. No. Okay. Ethan Sandstead asks, uh, any tips for dealing with potentially aggressive waterfowl around your fishing spot? Yeah, man. Um, a CO2 powered pellet gun. Uh, I was going to say, not that, that. that I want to talk offense. about publicly. That is a federal <laughs> offense. <laughs> don't do that. Doc um, Martin, whatever you got. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, number one wide like, wide wide berth i assume he's talking about geese on a nest probably geese. and that's always dude the, the 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 nesting season always coincides with opening day around here so i mean how many times in your life like you're just like do do walking in a trout hole and then get that sss, and you're like ah yeah. shit like yeah. turn around walk around him i mean i don't know you know <laughs> i don't know how many times it's happened to me my first inclination is always like there's a big snake yeah oh yeah dude it, it catches you way off guard yeah. for sure all right, so uh, Thomas NYE25, uh, that could be Thomas and I, I guess, uh, going to the PM for steel next week. Are four guys too many for a drift boat? Will we be laughed at? Yes. Yes, yes, you will. <laughs> I, too many. With, I, don't, I don't know what kind of drift boat you're dealing with, but even like the biggest stealth craft I'm aware of, four is too many. Um it's not that it's probably unsafe. Like I'm thinking about my boat's 16 foot. Could I row four people in it if I had to? Yeah, but none of you are gonna be able to fish. Yeah. Like you're not you're not gonna be able to fish yeah. unless, unless you're, you're just like, using it to hop out and yeah. fish a run and 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 use it as like a shuttle. Yeah, if but, you're bank um, hopping, it's like whatever. If all if three out of four of you think you're gonna be like swinging intruders with sink tips, uh, safety glasses at yeah. minimum. Yeah, and, and and if that's uh four guys on a guides drift boat, meaning that there are five dudes Wait, counting the guy. Wait, now we're rowing. way above the maximum. Yeah, 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 yeah too no, much. he won't uh, let you do that. I highly doubt it. I might. Uh, okay, Cakey Codes. I don't know what that means. Uh, asks. <laughs> Should adults be able to fish on Youth Mentor Day? Truthfully, Cakey Codes, I am not really aware of whether they can or cannot. So I don't know how to answer that. Like, if, if the, mentor, assuming, how do I mentor you if I can't teach you how to cast, which means I might have to cast? For all I know, this person is correct. And on Youth Mentor Day, the adult cannot fish. But I, I, I don't know. I have, yeah, I have but I'll no tell you idea. what, man. I, I will tell you what. I bet you if they let adults fish on Youth Mentor Day, a lot more kids would go fishing. Well, that's, yeah, probably. You're right. You're right. You Good know, call. so so as far as, like, that's concerned, like, yeah, you know, I, I would say, like, that would be a cool thing to let folks do, you know, kind of give you, aside from the joy of children, a, uh, a, a, a reward for, you know, taking kids fishing. But, you know, that's just me. All right. Out of the round, 
asks, uh, if I go Tenkara fishing and an old redneck in a cane pole is fishing, can I still look down on them? No, because you're Tenkara fishing. Uh, I was going to say, sure, you can, in fact, still look down on them. But if it gets ugly, he's going to beat your ass because that cane pole would snap the Tenkara rod right in half if it went full on <laughs> sword fight. They are much stronger than your Tenkara rod. All right. And last but not least, uh, CMH Oboza or CM Hoboza or CM Hoboza, I don't know how it, how it said, asks, like uh, like many of you asked, when are you taking Phil fishing? Uh, um, I feel like I I feel like I failed Phil. You should take Phil fishing. You could take dude, Phil I've fishing tried any to get day. Phil fishing so many times. It just really? like it yeah, it just like never works out. We tried to go duck hunting too, man. Um you know, uh I will tell you what, if there's one person who deserves a uh, a free fishing trip from the Bent fellows, it's Phil Taylor. I and 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 despite my departure, Phil knows he has an open invitation. I even have a an IKEA futon here for him. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime, Phil. you ever get that feeling the walls closing in the concrete jungle suffocating you you crave some wide open spaces the chance to connect with nature maybe in a spot all your own we'll head over to land.com They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 